I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. It's a double podcast call over the day, man. We just dropped one earlier this morning, but this was just too important not to have to release an emergency, I repeat, emergency podcast. I'm joined by a friend of the podcast. You know who he is if you're a regular listener. I'm joined by Mr. Cody Shalafu. And we need to talk about this Campbell Walker trade because from where I'm sitting, I am rather impressed with the way Brad Stevens got this done on the quiet. And I like the return as well. So, Cody, man, first of all, how you doing, brother? I, I mean, the world's a little shook up. Uh, so, you know, it, it wakes you up pretty quick when you wake up to find that Kemba Walker just got traded. So I am up and at him. I love those Friday afternoons, right? Friday mornings for you guys, actually. It's about like 9.30 for me right now, which, you know, as a just out-of-school college student, that's a little early for my taste. But I mean, for me, I've been up for about 74 weeks at this point, or it feels like it. Yeah. So let, let, let's jump straight into this deal, man, because everybody's listening because they want the, they want the deal. So, look, the, the way this broke down was Woj dropped to Woj Brum around about, what time was that for you? Was it like 9 a.m.? Probably around 9. Around, yeah, around 9 a.m. The Celtics are trading Kemba Walker and a number 16 overall pick in this year's draft, plus a 2025 second round out of the OKC Funder for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second round pick. How do you feel about that? And then we're going to go into why I think this is interesting. Uh, well, obviously, it, uh, it sucks that Kemba has to go. I mean, Kemba has had an up-and-down tenure with the Celtics, but his knee's just toast. And if you can get anything from Kemba, how, you know, I, I mean, it's very divisive how the fan base is with Kemba Walker. You either love him or you hate him, it seems. I was one of the guys who loved them, and it just was one of those unfortunate situations where his knee just isn't where it should be at all for a professional athlete. And you get Al Horford to come back, which he – looked a lot better this year they did in Philly, even though he only played about, you know, half the year because they told him he wasn't going to play anymore. Yeah, a little bit of draft capital and Moses Brown is an intriguing prospect, a really good rebounder. I think this is the best you probably could have got. And I think we kind of joked a little bit, oh, we can probably get Al back. But here we go. We got actually got Al back. So I'm actually pretty stoked for uh, the trade. I think it, it – it's one of those unfortunate situations, and you give that 16 overall pick, which could have been pretty decent with how deep this draft class is. But I think for what the circumstances brought you, you got the best return you possibly could. Yeah, I mean, for me, like the return of Al Horford is fantastic. You know, um, you know what type of presence he's going to bring in the locker room. You know exactly what he's going to bring to the floor. First thing that comes to my mind was, even if Al Horford is. 75% of the play he was in Boston. We're not going to see the same Al Horford in terms of the style of play and the way he's used because he's not playing for Brad Stevens now. He's playing for a coach that we do not yet know who that is yet. So we don't even know if Al Horford's actually going to see too much playing time. What we do know is that Moses Brown is a player that gave Boston trouble every time Oklahoma played against them this year. And he was looking like a real good glass cleaner, good rim runner. And I, I kind of see this as bringing Brown in as Robert Williams insurance, or you're envisioning a future rotation of Robert Williams and Moses Brown as your two big men rotating on and off the bench. So I, for me, while Al Horford is obviously the highlight of this trade in the, in the way of return for Boston. Moses Brown is actually a really sneaky addition onto that trade that could end up being vital for the Celtics as they continue to develop. 
Yeah, I think Moses Brown as an add-on was awesome. He had like what twenty rebounds at a half at one of the games that we played. Dude. He's a monster. A monster. Yeah, he he's glass hungry, dude. Like, and the Celtics need that because they obviously they've been small. I mean, how big is Moses? I think he's seven foot. I think he's a legit seven foot dude. If I'm being correct, I mean, he's one of those guys who maybe his ceiling isn't as high, and I think that he has those games, and you think, oh, well, he's going to be a superstar, but he's probably going to be a bench big, and that's fine. He's a rebounder, which what you know the Celtics have, you know, it seems like every year I've talked about the Celtics my entire life, they want a little bit more rebounding. Yeah, and, so yeah. go ahead, go ahead. I was to say, like like you said, at worst he's rob insurance in case he can't really go, and at best he's a guy you can throw into a rotation of bigs. And you have Al now has was Al on the team with Rob on the team at the same time, or was Al traded before? No, I think Al was there for Rob's rookie year. Okay, so now you so you now you have Rob, who's now ascending into a starter caliber player and a guy who can really be a big X factor for your team. Learning from Al Horford, what's the one thing that Rob struggles with, Adam? It's it's being knowing what to do at the right time. Yeah, what's it's understanding Al- and reading the game. What does Alex sell at, Adam? Understanding and reading the game. I mean, I think this is a Brad Steven masterclass right here. We're already already better than Danny Ainge. I'm appointing it. That Brad Stevens, Dad Stevens, whatever you want to call him, he's the greatest of all time. <laughs> what is this after? True Boston overreaction right now. So <laughs> I've just Googled it. Moses Brown is seven foot one. Now, the one thing that I said that I was really intrigued with was how Brad Stevens was going to attack the lack of size on the roster. Um, and this is a good trait to start making moves to add a bit of size because he did say in multiple press conferences all through the year, we're small. We can't compete the same way other teams do. We need to be more scrappy. We don't have that length. Moses Brown's a good way to start building that length. And uh, uh, the other thing as well, we need to look at this from a financial standpoint is you get one less year of guaranteed money with Horford because that that player option isn't there. So Horford's money comes off the books a year earlier than what Kemba's does. And that's a big financial incentive for the Celtics, especially when you're looking at what you want to do with Marcus Smart, what you want to do with Evan Fournier. This gives you a little bit more cap flexibility moving forward that, to me, was integral to be able to continue rebuilding the team. Yeah, especially with you know Jason Tatum's extension kicking, I believe this year his extension kicks in. Um, and then Brown's extensions kicked in, so you have those those two big contracts on on the roster, and having that extra year of Kemba, which again, it's, it's he was dead weight, and for most of the second half of the year, we heard that he's a negative asset, and we got a pretty decent return for him. Obviously, that number sixteen pick was the big kicker, and uh, you can probably get a decent player with that sixteen pick with how this draft is gonna it's gonna go. Um, but this also brings up an interesting question: like they're putting a lot of their Eggs in the market smart at starting point guard basket, um, depending on what they do in free agency in the draft, obviously. But right now, they don't have the number 16 pick. And it's right now, what was it, Pritchard and Smart? And then, if you want to count, you know, Fournier or Romeo as a ball handler, you have Carson Edwards or Tremont, depending on what happens with them. Uh, so right now you're putting a lot of trust in Marcus Smart, and Boston loves to trust Marcus Smart. So that's going to be interesting to see if that can hold up too. Yeah, there's going to be a lot. I don't think this is the only move that's going to happen. Oh, I think there's a, at the moment, I tweeted this out. There's a logjam now at the five. You've got Tristan Thompson. You've got Robert Williams, Grant Williams, because primarily, as we spoke about multiple times, he is a small ball five. You add in Moses Brown to that deal. You add in Al Horford to that. Now you've got like a solid five-man rotation of bigs. And Tristan Thompson's going to want his minutes. Al Horford hasn't 
come back to Boston just to warm the bench. He's going to, even if it's 10 to 12 minutes a night, he's going to want floor time. You need to give Robert Williams floor time. You need to give Moses Brown floor time. You need to find a way of fitting Grant Williams into this. It's not going to work. So there has to be more deals to start moving off from some of the salaries. And as you say, you're putting a lot of trust in guys like Peyton Pritchard, Rob and Neesmith by moving off from Kemba. But does this tell us anything about whether or not we could possibly be seeing some of those guys get packaged? Like maybe you need to attach a a Peyton Pritchard or an Aaron Neesmith or a Romeo Langford to move off from Tristan Thompson and fill a need on the wing or fill a need at the guard position? Don't say that. Don't say Romeo has to leave. Stop it. Um, I mean, yeah, potentially. I mean, that's just how, you know, the business in the NBA, like you said, you have to move off from Kemba and you have to attach the number 16 pick. And now without, uh, you know, a, th- a first round pick, I believe this year, now you have to kind of scramble to find the guys you need. You're, you know, you're still in that cap deficit where you can only afford those MLEs. Um, I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head what exactly we have to play with at the moment and who's going to be there to play with it. Um, but if you want to move on from Thompson, which his experiment was kind of iffy this year, or if you do want to solidify yourself and get a, a, a backup point guard, which you thought you were going to get in Jeff Teague, that never really happened, um, which forced Peyton Pritchard to really step up. and Or you kind of just roll with them and say, look, guys, we put we drafted you guys for a reason. You have a year in the system. And people forget, like, last year was a weird year. They didn't have a full off season, so those rookies played a lot more like rookies. The guys who weren't healthy – uh, they didn't have that time to recover. So you now you have a real full first off season for Romeo, a real first full off season uh, for guys uh, like Pritchard, like Nesmith, um, like these uh, other guys that are younger that you drafted that maybe they could step up and maybe um, they roll the dice and say, all right, we're going to get like another backup point guard with our 3 million MLE that we used uh, for Jeff Teague last year and use, try to do that again this year. Um, try to package off a guy um, like Thompson, which is probably the odd man out in that situation with now Moses Brown and Rob Williams being younger and Al being, you know, Brad's favorite son. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do try to move somebody. But also at the same time, like maybe you just roll with the dudes you have. Uh, It depends on what Brad wants to do. And right now we're getting that first taste of how Brad, the GM, Brad, the, you know, basketball operations, uh, president works and right now he's he's flipping some deals that it's kind of going back to that those older teams that we saw a couple years ago how he likes to run the team and he really has full control and that Al bringing back in I think that's we should try to think how is he going to make this team like those years those teams from a few years ago one thing I do want to point out and I agree with what you're saying he's making deals to kind of build the team in his image. But he also needs to build a team in a coach's image. So I am shocked that this deal's happened before a coach comes in. Just because, uh, from my perspective, you're not coaching the team anymore, so building it in your image is fine. But if you don't bring a coach in that sees the same image as you do, well, now you're going to be putting round pe- um, square pegs in round holes all over again. Chris Forsberg just tweeted out, and I'll just read this tweet out because it adds value to everyone listening. Um, the Celtics saved $9 million in salary bet- um, from moving on from Canberra. So Al Horford's deal is $9 million cheaper next season. Um, the 2022-23 season, Horford's par- contract is only partially guaranteed. So that gives the Celtics a bunch of avenues they want to go through. And then the way you want to look at this as well is you not only have you saved $9 million in salary off moving on from Canberra, you also saved the salary that would have been 
waiting for whoever the Celtics picked at number 16. So I know that salary doesn't exist at the moment, but you're freeing up that. You don't have to be concerned about that pick now when trying to make future deals. That salary is no longer going to exist. So that's another good point that you can kind of move into deals now, not having to worry about having money available for whoever you select in the draft. And maybe this is what Brad Stevens saying, like, hey, this team has enough young pieces. We know which ones we're high on. We know which ones we don't think are going to cut it at the level we need them to. And that, to me, tells me there are going to be more moves. So I understand people might think that what they've got is what they're going to roll with. But by moving out of the draft, that tells me that Brad Stevens is like, no, this team needs more veterans. Um, we've already bought in a young big in Brown. So we don't need to worry about that. But what we need to do now is start consolidating you know, whether that be Tristan Thompson and whoever, or whether that be moving on from Aaron Neesmith or, or Romeo Langford, there's going to be more deals made. And if we're being honest with ourselves, the most likely guy to be moved is going to be Grant Williams, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, he's the guy that, I mean, I, I like Grant. I think he had a really good rookie season, a really poor season this year. And this is the third year, which is basically that make or break year. Um, so we could probably, of those guys, of the Pritchards and the, uh, the Neesmiths and the Romeos. Um, Grant's probably the most likely to get dealt, but also I think he has the lesser of the trade value, would, would he not? So maybe a Pritchard is kind of one of those guys who's more likely to get dealt if you, you have to get rid of a Thompson and you want a decent return back. Um, so it just depends on how the rest of the world views Grant. I think there are some people in the Celtics community a little bit higher on him, like myself, who saw that first year and saw those kind of, uh, small comparisons to Al and how he was graded out of college and those are the things he could have brought. And then they people who saw this year and was like, this guy shouldn't even be playing AAU, let alone, you know, NBA basketball. So it really depends on how the rest of the league views Grant and what they think they can get out of him and what they think his ceiling and his floor is. Um, but no, I, I mean, I couldn't really tell you who, who moves and, and what moves and how it all works. Um, and, and what the, the landscape of the trademark in the NBA is right this very second. Um, but I'm excited. I'm just excited. As a, as a Celtics fan who, who saw last year and saw the turmoil of just the inconsistencies of last year, and now you have Brad already making kind of that, that first footnote in NBA free agency and NBA offseason uh, by moving up from coaching and now making that the first, like, deal uh, of the off season, if you wanna, if you wanna already dub it the off season, with the playoffs still going around, it's just exciting, and I like to see. I want to see how Brad wants to run this show, and right now we're getting a good glimpse. Yeah, I mean the off season is going to be super fun. I just don't know which way we we need to progress, and I'm just going to keep coming back to this one fact of making deals without a coach. Kemba Walker was a give me. Like I understand that completely because there was no way in which any coach was going to look at Kemba as more than a overpaid point guard whose knees were shot. And that's a horrible thing to say because there were moments in time this year where he was he was valuable. His burst looked great. He um he looked like he could become the Kemba Walker that the Celtics hoped to sign. And then there was other moments in time where it was just like, yo, this guy just isn't going to get it done. So making that deal's fine. But any ne- any additional moves that these guys are going to make, it needs to be done kind of like after a coach coaches need to be the next thing on the list because if you keep bringing in players and they don't fit that coach's vision well now all of a sudden we're going to be in a position where the roster's improved but the style of play doesn't match or the coach is now coaching in a way that goes against their 
uh, how could we put it, their vision for the way basketball should be played, their style. And I'm just really kind of erring on the side of caution as like these trades are great. And as a fan, as an analyst, as somebody that covers the Celtics, any lens you want to look through, they're exciting and they're fun. But you do need to look at it from a, well, we don't know who's leading this team right now type of lens at the same time. I don't know if you agree. Well, do you then I'll, I'll ask you this question. Do you think that this kind of inadvertently hints at a Kara Lawson slash Jay Lar- uh, Laranaga sa- signing where they kind of were with Brad for, for at least a year or a few years and they kind of agree with Brad's, you know, motives and philosophies as a coach? So he's just making these moves now before um, they're able to sign a new coach. Maybe that gives. Uh, Lawson or you know Jay a kind of leg up do you think that might be in the in the works yeah I think that's a possibility man I also think somebody like Rick Carlisle that can just coach you know what I mean that, that can just coach doesn't need the system can adapt to whoever's on the floor can adapt to the roster he's given that can just flat out coach someone like Rick Carlisle you don't need to worry about that roster construction because he's going to figure it out but you want to if it's somebody that's a first-time coach so, Kara Lawson, I wouldn't class her as a first-time coach, but in the NBA she is. Jay Laranega, Chauncey Billups, Sam Cassell, you need to be giving them the pieces to do their job the way they need to do their job because otherwise you're hamstringing them and your first job in the NBA can make or break your career as an NBA coach. And I think that needs to be something that Brad Stevens kind of take, takes into account when having these interviews. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the, the head coaching domino hopefully is the next one to fall. And like you said, I, I, I agree. The more obviously that's not the first thing you think about. Um, but you're right. I mean, these coaches, they're not Brad Stevens. It's kind of funny how Brad was like, they need a new voice. They need, they need a new philosophy. They need someone new. And it's like, all right, but like, here's all the Brad Stevens pieces. Like, here's the costume set. Uh, I have all the pieces for you. You just put it on and you'll be fine. Uh, so, as much as you love Alec, that is a really good point to bring up. And it's going to be interesting to see. Um, who they do eventually hire, and then if these moves were a precursor, maybe Brad knows who his next coach is, and they're already talking, and they're already having these conversations. Um, or maybe Brad's just going to do what Brad wants to do, and then whoever comes in the coach has to just, you know, again, use the, the Brad Stevens deck and see, so we'll see what they can do. So we're going to wrap up this part of the podcast now. I'm going to bring in someone from Celtics blog for the second part, just to get their reaction as well. So before we go, Cody, first of all, how would you rate this trade? Is it a win for Boston? Is it a lateral move or is it a a trade that you lose, but win kind of at the same time? I think it's a win. I think Kemba wasn't healthy and he was very inconsistent. And now you actually kind of have a consistent at point guard. At least we will. You get Al and a decent piece in Moses Brown, and you free up some of that money to make some more trades. You lose that 16 pick, which kind of sucks, but overall, I think it's a win. Awesome. And Cody, before we go, man, let everybody know where they can find you. If you're producing any content of a sports-related nature, then please let us know that too. Uh, yeah, so I actually just started a new podcast myself. Adam and I have been podcasting for years, and I decided to do my own little thing. It's called the Hustle Sports Podcast. You can find that on Twitter at the at Hustle Sports Pod. Uh, we're having two episodes um, a week, and actually our second episode just dropped earlier today. So uh, that's actually pretty fun. And then personally, you can find me at Cody CodyShallowFu33 on Twitter, and that's where I'll be promoting a lot of stuff. So it's always a pleasure sitting down with the great Adam Taylor. So I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, man, you too, Con. The only thing great about me is when I stop talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everybody that's listening, if you're interested in finding Cody or any of his stuff, then everything that he's just mentioned, his podcast, 
his Twitter profile will all be hyperlinked in the description of this show. So it'll be nice and easy for you to click that hyperlink and follow it through. Uh, Coding man, thank you for joining us. This is exciting times. I'm going to let you go, and then I'm going to bring in Jeremy Stevens from Celtics Blog for a secondary reaction. Then I'm going to have to edit it and upload it so the people we're actually talking to at the moment that can't hear us will actually be able to hear us, you know? That's true. Hey, it's, it's the name of the business. Awesome, dude. Well, like I say, thank you very much for jumping on, and I will catch you soon. I'll, I'll drop you a message shortly. Yeah, thank you. appreciate you, bro. Okay, everybody, now I'm joined by Jeremy Stevens, a writer at Celtics Blog, one of my teammates, compadres, work associates, however you want to name him. He writes, he does some fantastic stuff over on the website. First time appearance on the show, so uh, I'm looking forward to this. Jeremy, man, you messaged the group saying, uh, the Slack channel saying you're freaking out, so let's get this reaction going. Yeah, I mean, like how many times in Slack and otherwise have I posted about trading for Al Horford? How many times have I said it? Uh, to the point where I think that if we went back, it'd take us about an hour or two to tally up the amount. So that should give, like, that Slack channel is active as well, everybody. So that should give you some idea about how much Jeremy's been pushing for this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny. I'll, I'll be honest, I sort of talked myself out of it, but now obviously I'm just going to talk myself back into it because they actually did it. Um, my concern was that, you know, we they did everything they could to preserve Kemba all this year, and then the playoffs come around and he gets hurt anyways. So that feels bad. And now we're back to a, another player who's on some sort of like a minutes or games restriction or can't play back-to-backs or whatever. So could be some rough waters still, but um, whatever. I'm in. They did it, so I'm in. <laughs> so the point that I was making um, in the first part of the show when I had Cody here was for me the, the best part of this deal was the sneaky part where it's the fact that Moses Brown is an addition in this deal. Yes. And that he was like, he's a high upside, legitimate seven-footer that's going to be able to give you some Rob Williams insurance once they sort out that big man rotation. Yeah, I, the, I, I almost feel like there has to be a catch because, and, and maybe we're a little biased because he destroyed the Celtics when we played them both times. Um, so, so maybe I, I, I feel like I have to be missing something for him to be a throw-in. There, there must be something I don't understand as to how we got him. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, Look, the way I look at it is, look, you save $9 million from moving on from Kemba because Al Horford's deal is $9 million cheaper. You get a year of Al Horford on a non-guaranteed deal. You save money by not picking 16th in this year's draft. And you get Moses Brown. And all you gave up was Kemba Walker and this year's 16th pick. I think this trade makes a ton of sense. The only worry for me is the logjam at the five now. Yeah, I it, it's only a logjam because Tristan Thompson exists. But... um. We kind of knew that whatever this Kemba thing had to be, once once we knew that, it, it seemed like a trade was down the road. We knew we had to attach assets to get rid of him. So, um, Although you, you frame giving that up as an upside as to not have to pay the 16th, I guess there's some validity to that too. I'm kind of on the one track of like trading Kemba sort of ripping a Band-Aid off where there's no, there's no free lunch there. They know they had to attach something. So I guess giving up a pick and still getting a young player – there, I, it kind of, that part doesn't make sense to me, but not in a bad way. I just don't get it. But yeah, you pretty much nailed it. How do you feel about Al Horford? Are you expecting him to get many minutes? I know that he's coming back to Boston, but he's not the same player that left, and he's not going to be playing under Brad now. He's going to be playing under an unnamed coach. So where are you coming from and how often we're going to see Al Horford actually suit up? Yeah, that's that's the biggest question because if if Brad was coaching right now, 
I mean, I'm excited anyways, but I'd be more excited because I know his system works best when you have an Al Horford-type player. Not knowing what coach we're going to have kind of just I, – I don't know. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a coach. Um, I'm confident he's still good. I don't know how durable he is. I don't think he got – oh, no, he did get hurt once. But it was also during the season, this this most recent, where half the league got hurt anyway. So, yeah, there's there's kind of a lot of give and take there, I guess. But I expect he'll play. I mean, he'll start, right? He has to. He's definitely better. He's better than Thompson. He's more reliable than Rob. But I do think Rob's going to be very good. Um, as far as the logjam, I think Cornette's going to be out anyways, which he didn't play much. But I think it'll work. I think it works. So my question is, like, I view Grant Williams as a five because that's the only place he plays like passable, yes. passable defense, passable offense. So if you look at it then, you realistically got Tristan Thompson, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Moses Brown, and Al Horford in that lockdown. That's a five-man rotation, even if Cornette moves on, which he will now. That is so true. So I'm like, yo, you, you realistically, you need to start try to start consolidating that rotation down to a free man, maybe have a fourth guy as your insurance policy. So Tristan Thompson plus Marcus Smart could net you somebody, somebody real useful. Tristan Thompson plus Romeo Langford or Aaron Neesmith can net you somebody useful. Tristan Thompson on his own, however, is going to be another deal that you're going to struggle to move off from and you're going to need to attach assets. And my point is Brad Stevens just brought back value by moving on from Kemba, something none of us thought could happen. The Moses Brown is the bit where I think the real value has been added here. Yeah. But, so now you're looking at how does how does Brad Stevens do this again and bring back value for Tristan Thompson and ideally move on from Grant Williams too, that to me is now an odd man out in this rotation. I just want to double check really quick. There were a couple second we got a second round pick. Okay, that's funny. Um oh, we also so we got the twenty twenty three second, <laughs> they got the twenty twenty five second, and this year's sixteenth. All right, I guess I don't care about the seconds for now. Um, I'll echo a thought that a couple of my, or most of my friends share about Robert Williams, which I think is true and maybe answers some of your question here. The team would be smart not to move all the chips in on him being the center of the future, not because of how good he is or isn't, but because he's always injured. So you're talking about having centers for insurance. It is a position I think they can sort of afford to load up on a little bit. Uh, as for Grant Williams, I like him a lot too. He struggled a lot last season, and if there's not much development there, that's also some reason to want depth at that position. And third, you mentioned Thompson. Obviously, that's one of the the. If there's any contracts that are somewhat easily movable, just in terms of how how much he's getting paid, that would be another one. So there is, I don't know if I would call it flexibility. There's just a lot of factors there as to, you know, who's actually going to play at that position. So, Another thing that I find, like, ridiculously interesting is the fact that after this year, with Horford being non-guaranteed or partially guaranteed, if it doesn't work out, you're not losing too much. You can kind of figure a way to move on from that deal. So the flexibility comes in that respect as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got flexibility yeah. this year in making deals, but you also have flexibility moving forward, which the team just didn't have up until today. Is Horford's fourteen and a half million guaranteed? Is that next season or the season after? Uh, so that's next, not this. Um, so not twenty one, right, twenty two, yeah. but twenty two, twenty three. So we'll have a full year of him making a bunch of money, and then the next year is the like half whatever the discounted year. 
Yeah, but then there'll be like um, there'll be a point, won't there? That if he isn't released or traded or whatever at that point in time, then the full amount of the contract will become guaranteed. There's usually a, a set oh. date, isn't there, where partially guaranteed contracts become fully guaranteed. I thought there was a weird clause in it about. Um, that site won't load. Well, one thing we knew before this, after this, always, is the team is like super capped out anyways because they're going to be paying, obviously, they're two all-stars a lot. Um, I guess if you're moving salary for salary with Cambo and Horford, it's a lot of money either way. They want to re-sign Fournier. There was never... I don't know... If, sorry, I don't know if I'm actually answering your question. There was never a lot of flexibility anyway. So if you can do something, I think you... This is kind of like a take-what-you-can-get sort of deal. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And this was probably the best option available. Like, for me anyway, Like I, I was never in on the Kemba for Porzingis trade hype. No, <laughs> so no the one, definitely not. The one question that's been thrown around to me a lot in the last like hour has been, hey, if the Celtics don't re-sign Evan Fournier, are they any closer to that tax apron to be able to pull a sign and trade Lonzo Ball? Because then you fill that point guard with some size, some length, some defense, and a pass-first mentality. Honestly, for anyone listening with that question, I do not know the answer to that right now. I'm going to need to check in with Keith Smith. Um, Keith Smith will be hosting a green room later today, so feel free to go and check in with him before I do if you want the answer to that. But from where I'm standing right now, it's still going to be too tight around that tax apron to be able to hit that sign and trade and move freely around the rest of the trade market and free agent market. I don't know, Jeremy, what your level of cap knowledge is. Maybe you can put me, point me in a different direction or set me straight there. Once, once we get into the word apron is where I'm kind of out of my league there. I tend to just keep track of who's getting paid what, what kind of exception, <clears throat> sorry, exceptions they have. And, um, that sort of thing. Once you get into the tax tape, <laughs> yeah, now you're in Keith territory. Um, I think it was in their best interest to pay Fournier whatever they have to, and now I actually feel it's even better for them because their greatest gap was trying to fill in some holes on defense. And if Horford is still like 80% of what he was, um, a lot of that stuff kind of gets solved. So, yeah, I think I think even more so now than before, they should want to re-sign Fournier. Also, they gave up two seconds to get that trade exception, and then they gave up two more seconds to trade for him um, in a kind of a throwaway season. So I think they'd be crazy not to do it. Here's just a little update on this um, um, partially guaranteed section of our Horford's contract that's going on in our Slack channel right now. So... And Ryan Bernardoni has tweeted this out as well, so it's quite public knowledge if you follow Danger Cat. Um, basically, Al Horford will only get $14.5 million if the team waive him. If they keep him for the year, he will get that full salary. Got it. Um, you know, and then Boston, whether or not they trade him before then is one story. I don't see them bringing him back and then moving on from him again because, you know, he's left the team once, nothing worked out for him. Bringing him back makes me feel like he's going to be here, even just as a culture piece for the next two seasons, and then you move on from him. But having that voice in the locker room, that veteran leadership, he was here when the team went through some of its most successful stints um, during the Brad Stevens era, uh, obviously not all time. Um, that I think that that could work out quite well. I, I feel like this trade has been a win for the Celtics. I wanna, I'm wondering where you stand on this. Do you see it as a win, a lateral move, or one of those you lose the trade to win the long term? If Al Horford can play... 
25 to 30 minutes and be Al Horford. Play, defend the rim, just a, a, a dash of scoring, some passing, all the little things we've you know we've already discussed it before. Well, not on here, but everyone everyone kind of knows who Horford is because we had him before. As long as we get most of it for one full season <laughs> where we don't have to have him rest too many games, then it's good. I just think it's really important that the team is not bad specifically next season because if we waste too many years of the Jays' years not being good, that's when the panic button gets pressed. But this year they kind of had a little cushion. If they're bad next year, they're in big trouble. Then you then you kind of get into panic win-now moves, I think. If they're good next year, this is very good. If Moses Brown is good, it could just be good either way. If you are, if you just have a good young player for the by the time the Horford money comes off the books, and you just kind of have the replacement piece anyways. Um, high, high. I'm going to say high chance of it being good. Small chance of it backfiring if Horford is washed, but I don't think he will be. And even then, if Horford's washed, you still get Moses Brown, which I'm ridiculously hyped about. I don't know why, but I feel like that should be the centerpiece of the trade being discussed right now. Um, last question I've got for you. The Jays seemingly had a good relationship with Horford during his last time in the team. How much do you consider the fact that they could have been consulted before this deal got made? Um, I tend to assume that every team runs stuff by their star players now. I don't know if we've heard about that with the Celtics specifically, but also the Celtics wouldn't be the franchise to like reveal reveal their process around that anyways. Um, I just want to – I'm derailing a little bit, but the the last Woj tweet about how you know Brad Steele's first deal is, is a big deal, all that stuff. I remember writing about a few days ago when I wrote my who stays and who goes thing. Uh, when Ainge took the job, right away he traded Antoine Walker, and I was wondering if that was like an omen for the, the Brad Stevens era. The playoffs aren't even done, man. <laughs> And he traded Kevin Walker. I think that's wild. Um, do I think they ran stuff by our best players? Probably. The playoffs are not even done. Do you know, like the fact that Woj had to put that in one of his tweets as well? Like it's rare that it happens while the playoffs is still on. Like, <laughs> that just shows you how 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 Brad Stevens is trying to rebuild this team. Like one of the things that I've noted on this podcast a lot is the way that he continues to he continued all year to kind of make comments about the lack of length and height on this team and the fact that they were small. And part of me thinks that his vision for this team is going to be a lot more size with skill, a lot more length, a lot more um, athletic ability uh, uh, like from top to bottom of this roster. Do you think this move kind of shows that train of thought for him? Or do you think this is just, hey, you got Moses Brown as a throw-in, it's just... Um, it, it's kind of just one of those things that he's seven foot one. Yeah, I mean, you know, the more you say it, the more this deal feels better to me because it, it, you can kind of look at it as it's like salary for salary. We give up a first and we get a good young player. So that seems good. As far as height and length, something that was going that I thought the Celtics were really onto, and this kind of got muddled in the in you know the Kyrie year that also ended up kind of being a throwaway, is um like having these really switchable, versatile defensive lineups. That team was actually pretty good. They won 49 games. But um, when you had a roster with, like, Horford and Marcus Morris and, like, Aaron Baines provided a ton of size, and you could play, like, Tatum and Smart, and you had these lineups where your worst defender was, like, someone like Jalen Brown, who's not even that bad, but um, kind of on the help defense stuff is where he gets lost. But you could, they, you know, and, and this season, the team was never really able to have more than, like, 
two and a half good defenders on the floor at the time. So now if you can run like Tatum, Smart, Horford, you have three proven defenders, Jalen good on ball, and then you try to figure out one other spot. Now you're kind of kind of back in the realm of maybe playing defense again. So uh, short answer is yes. I think Brad is addressing specifically that because he knows that worked for him before. Yeah, and that's what the team needs. I mean, being small has never benefited this team. If you look back to when they were really good, you still had Amir Johnson that had some size and some physicality and athletic athleticism to him. Evan Turner was never a short guy for his position. Like, that is just the way you need to be. And with the NBA trending back towards those athletic, long, skilled players and more and more of them being injected into the league through the draft, I think that that's going to be Brad Stevens' um, vision for this team is to kind of have the length of the Sixers but keep the skill of the Celtics players that are there now and just continue to build on that. Yeah, I just want to add to that. I think going small is good when you get to choose when you're going small, which this year they didn't. They're just a small team anyways. But I think it was in these playoffs, I might have this reversed, but I think it was the Clippers just simply choosing not to play a center anymore um, against the Mavericks. That's that's one of those instances where like they have a good center, but they chose not to play them. Um, and they ended up just romping through those last four games after they fell behind. So when you get to choose when to go small, when it's matchup specific, I think it's very good. Um, that's, I mean, that's a really good point. It, it's always better to have the option to do so rather than being forced to do so. You know, if I choose to drive, it's it's fine. It's good. If I if I have to walk because I don't have a car, yeah. well, then now then that sucks. I wish I had a car. It, yeah. it, it, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know that's a basic um, analogy. And for Americans, everybody has a car. It's not the same where I'm at. A lot of people walk everywhere. Um, I, I digress. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I'm happy with this trade. I see this as a win for the Celtics. I'm very curious to see what the Oklahoma City Thunder do with Kemba Walker now. I know there's um, been a tweet out there from Woj saying that they're going to work with him to see what that next move is. They've already got um, Shai Gilgis Alexander, so you... You imagine that they're not going to want to keep Kemba around and they're going to look to move him onto another team for more assets. But look, man, we got, we got an early trade. Brad Stevens has now officially dipped his toe in the, um, in the president of basketball operations, Waters. And all we need now is a new coach. <clears throat> so I'm going to end this show and ask you just to give me your top three coaching choices. Uh, I don't even know if I have a list longer than Carol Lawson. Oh, Rick Carlisle's on the market now. So there's two names. Um, yeah, that's all you need, man. Carver yeah. Lawson and uh, Rick Carlisle are my one and num- number one and number two. Um, and then, you know, if you want to throw Juan Howard in there as a pipe dream, I'm down to right. do that as well. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't even go beyond those three names. I'm not interested in a lot of retreads or... Um, no, that's it. Yeah, those three. Okay, Jeremy. Well, thank you for joining us for the second part of this reaction podcast. You're more than welcome on here whenever you want. Just hit me up and uh, we'll always figure a time to, to make sure that you're on the show as much and as often as you want to be. Um, Appreciate it. Let everybody know where they can find you. I know they can find you on Celtics blog. Well, you know, you're doing any podcasts. You've got your Twitter handle. Just let everybody know and then I'll hyperlink everything for people as well. Cool. Uh, Jeremy from 413 on Twitter. Celtics blog stuff. I'm not, my name isn't really anywhere else right now. So yeah, just find me there. His name will be placed other places coming soon because his writing is exceptional. Jeremy, thank you very much for joining us, man, and I hope you have a good day. Let's get this, man. Hopefully there's another trade later today to keep us all entertained and get, <laughs> yeah. us, get my third podcast of the day out if that happens. All right, I'll see you. See you later, dude.
Guys, if you've been listening to this show, please make sure to rate and review. Leave that five-star written rating. It means a lot. If you don't use Apple and cannot leave a rating, then please just tell your friends, hey, there's this awesome Celtic show. Um, go, and, go and download that. Leave the review there if possible. If you guys want to talk about this, then I will be on Spotify Green Room today at 4 p.m. Eastern, and I'm sure this is going to be the primary topic of conversation throughout that episode. So you can find me on Spotify Green Room at Adam Taylor NBA, or if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see me tweet out the link at 4 p.m. Eastern. Every Everybody have a good day and feel free to tweet at me with any questions or reactions that you have to this show, what we've discussed, or to the trade in general. Disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience, never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down, one play at a time, keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the majors, still he chased greatness, expected that he might fail, and I might too. I might never get to pop champagne, celebrating with the crew. The 